please. This is our podcast. Welcome to the year 2023. And we will continue to talk about culture, politics, Christianity, the intersection of it all. And Taylor's pointing at me. What is it, Taylor? <laughs> the tagline. Oh, and our tagline, I keep forgetting, it's, we're out of practice. We took the month of December off for the holidays. Um, we have a radically optimistic outlook on all of this. Yes. And it ties into our topic. So we thought we would kick off the new year, one, with a current events update of what is happening in the speakership race for anyone who's watching, watching here in Washington and the <laughs> Republican Party as a part of that. Um, and then more broadly, kicking off the year with a hopeful note of if we were president and speaker of the House, what do we think that we should be focusing on for the flourishing of our country? So that's what we're going to talk about. And Taylor, what is that in a nutshell? The speaker's race? No, well, we'll talk about the speaker's race, but what we can't leave people hanging. What is the thing that we think the country should focus on? Abundance. An abundance agenda. Okay. So first we'll talk about the speaker's race. We'll get that <laughs> tawdry mess behind us. <laughs> what has been happening, Taylor? What has been happening? So it's, uh, I'm pulling up some stats here. Uh, let's see. So the, the, there's a new Congress. Republicans have taken the House. Democrats still control the Senate. By a very slim majority. Yes, was it 222? I should know this, but I don't right now. It's something like that. Yeah, very, very close. 222, so, 225, 23 maybe. Because if, yeah, something like that. So Republicans barely have more seats than Democrats in the House. Democrats control the Senate and a Democrat in the White House, which more broadly means that nothing is going to get done for the next two years. <laughs> yeah, expect lots of uh, grandstanding. And so anyway, so with Republicans in charge of the House, whoever, whichever party takes power, they have to elect new leadership, including the Speaker of the House, kind of the, the big boss of the House of Representatives. So they're doing that now, and it's there's been 11 vote rounds for... As Kevin McCarthy. Last night. Last night was Thursday. Right. Kevin McCarthy, heir apparent, angling for this job for a long time. And as things usually go, you know, he was the number one person on the lists. But there are holdouts who refuse to vote for him because Republicans have such a slim majority. He can only afford to, I think, what, lose four votes. Four votes. And there's 20. <laughs> and <laughs> right. there's been like, there's been 11 rounds. And I think what, Vote counts have gone from like uh, 20 to like 22 against. <laughs> so it's getting worse. Um, there's lots of, you know, once again, everyone's a tizzy because, oh, this is unprecedented and it's crazy. But there is precedent. Uh, I was just pulling up these stats about in prior years. You know, people are saying there haven't been this many votes for uh, a speaker. I don't know. So this list uh, since like 1859 was what I read this morning. But I'm looking at a list here. Apparently there was 133 ballots for Nathaniel Banks as speaker what in 1855. Wow. 63. Oh my gosh. And, are we in for 100 ballots? In 49, 1849, 44 in 1859. But um, like not in anyone living's lifetime. Right. <laughs> that happened. 
It's like 1923 was less. Like that's often trotted out as like there hasn't been this many votes since 1923, like 100 years and uh, all that. And I don't know. To me, it's just like back to the whole my shtick of uh, American politics. It's default crazy. Well, we had this unusual period of like everyone playing by the rules and people say that started changing with like the Newt Gingrich era. But even that was like 60 years of Democrats being in charge. Right. Which is like crazy to think of one party being. Right, right, right. So it's like, we are, I, what is normal? <laughs> that's that's my question. What is normal? And there seems to be this constant reference to like, oh, it's never been so tumultuous and it's never been so disorganized and disjointed. And But I think that's, I, that my shtick is like, that's that's the norm. Well, and I Get mean, comfortable. we're in a we're in <laughs> this two party system where you look at you know in most other parts of the world there's multiple parties so that you know like this True. faction of twenty people would probably be their own party in yes. the UK and like a Germany or whatever right 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 six parties in parliamentary systems um, so there is this you know what two hundred and 22 members the odd from all differing parts of the country and you know differing constituents and whatnot Mm -hmm. the idea that like that many people would just like be a unified force Mm -hmm. um, is not likely and that's how the house of representatives is kind of supposed to be right it's supposed to be more constituent driven because elections are every two years mm-hmm. closer to mm-hmm. the people than right. the senate it's every right. six years um right. and so you get more of this kind of wild ride in the house yeah so uh this is yeah you know, recent history yes unprecedented in a sense but american zoom out and it's it's still uh i don't know not not super unusual and like where does it go you know who knows right because nothing can be done until the speaker is elected like right. members can't even be sworn in right and there's talk of like so members of congress Bills often can't be passed do constituent services so like my social security check isn't coming through the irs is holding this up and members of congress will liaison with those agencies to kind of get through backlogs with you yeah. know the va or whatnot and there's talk of, you know, until members are sworn in and hmm. all this gets going, they can't do that. So it actually is a harm to the people to be doing this for weeks on end. So right. you know, I hope that they button this up soon. And then right. there's like the the broader. So, you know, you didn't get to why are those 20 some members holding the process up? It's because they want to get changes to the structure and the process of the house so Mm -hmm. um there there are house rules which govern how things happen so within the party of like elect how elect internal elections happen to committees Mm -hmm. and how the rules are made and then the different rules so um you know a big one that's been talked about is this motion to vacate the chair that any member of the house can call a motion to vacate the chair um which is the speaker to you know that's what the kick out the speaker that's what they're negotiating that's what they want the 20 and they've gotten it they've gotten okay but they have this list of like i don't even know how many demands it depends on who you talk to (laughs) they have this list of demands that they want of rules changes including like you know we want 
this this faction of 20 members they want their members on good committees uh, and not right, just the right, like right. low level committees and they have all these kind of demands yeah so they and want they want more power they want more power that's what's um, being negotiated here exactly ne- well negotiated in quotes right anyway. and you know it's it, it it's they definitely are you know trying to use this moment in time to get some changes that would benefit them um but there's also the question of like some of these rules make it a governable body. So right, if right. you kind of put structures in place where it makes it harder to get consensus and harder to get things out of committee and whatnot, then we could be dealing with a lot of chaos. So even if a speaker, Kevin McCarthy, does happen, mm-hmm. it's going to happen with all of these concessions to rules and process that he's making uh-huh. That's going to put him in the scenario where everything is going to be harder to get consensus on right. these two years. So either way, it's a pretty terrible job. <laughs> Who wants it? And, you know, there's this notion of um, maybe broad veto power, I think, bridges to our topic of abundance, like an abundance agenda. So, you know, Congress is not doing anything right now because they can't. And... What should they be doing once they start doing things? And I think this abundance agenda, Rachel mentioned, this is what I, I get to work on this as part of my job at the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University. <laughs> it's a long name. Uh, but we, we talk about abundance, which means economic growth, economic prosperity, flourishing in other aspects of life for all Americans. I don't think it's confined to just Americans. I think a global abundance agenda is certainly uh, a part of it. But, you know, my day job, we focus on American policy. So that's where we can make the changes. So uh, uh, what is what are we what kind of goes into this? There's this, you know, bridging network of people talking about this. And I think it's it's all going asking it going towards the goal and asking the question of, you know, why don't we have right now a say 250 K uh, GDP per person. Like, why aren't we, what's holding why us back? Yeah. What's holding us back from that being like the, the what me median income for Americans, as opposed to, I think, what is it now? Like, uh, 140 K. Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's the average GDP, like depending on how you count it. So what could we do to boost the economy? So we're all maybe even if we're not getting that direct income, we're living lives, uh, equivalent to that. And I, you know, we think a lot, I, I think a lot about average person in America today is living a life that is, would be unattainable to royalty and emperor in China in, you know, the year 1200, <laughs> right? Air right. conditioning, antibiotics, entertainment, um, lighting, like unattainable, like beyond, indoor plumbing. <laughs> yeah. Indoor plumbing, just like beyond their wildest dreams of like driving a royalty. car, you yes. can hop in a car, get somewhere in an Transportation hour. Transportation speeds. <laughs> So like that that's an abundance so like what you know what is what is the next how do we get to you know our children their children on and on looking back at us and kind of having the same thought process of like wow like um it's one example energy that's too cheap to meter it's interesting the uh, commissioner of one of the uh, energy agencies in the government came up with developed that phrase in the 70s uh and i think in the context of nuclear energy 
you know, we have broadband internet access, right? It's billed, you know, we pay like one monthly fee. It's not metered like energy is because it's, it's, it's quote, you know, cheap, mm-hmm. right? There, there's no benefit to, in most cases to, you know, metering it. So with energy, think of a world where you pay like a, I don't know, $20 a month energy bill because we have abundant enough energy to, mm-hmm. you know, power our homes. So it's not, it doesn't have to be rationed via price contr- prices. Like they don't mm-hmm. have to sell it like that. So, you know, ideas of like nuclear energy fusion, nuclear energy, geothermal energy, which I've learned about. Um, energy is like at the root a lot of, of a lot of these ideas because it Sadly, fuels so much. I only know, I knew about geothermal only because there was like some Zac Efron environmental special where he like went around the world and he visited a geothermal plant somewhere in like Greenland. <laughs> yep, yep. That was my first exposure. That makes sense. And like Iceland uses geothermal. Um, there are some geothermal uh, plants in the u.s hold on before we get in the weeds okay <laughs> i think you're taking for granted because you work on this every day <laughs> that some people when you say like oh the the goal is to increase this gdp to 250k median income or whatever some people find that icky and like in our current culture true. this idea that i mean what another way to say that is more wealth mm-hmm. um some people find that icky. Why? Why is this morally good? I mean, it, it that being the end in of itself doesn't yes doesn't excite. That's a great me. point. Like, like I that's not. I don't see that. Say yes, that's that's the North Star. <laughs> so what? What is the moral case behind this? Excellent question. Thanks for bringing me back down to earth. <laughs> Because I think that, yeah, that figure is trotted out by weirdos like me as like the stand in for like everything it represents. Right. So it's not just get, you know, we want to do this to get rich quick. <laughs> it's to like improve the quality of life for everyone. So imagine, you know, uh, poverty being eliminated. Um, it's, you know, I think that number represents uh, lower infant mortality rates. It represents lower death rates for delivering mothers. It re- represents a higher education level for children, uh, uh, more education opportunities for children. It re- represents more education opportunities for everyone, um, better health care for everyone. Like, I think in an, abund- an abundant future, a health care system, we're not, we're not talking about uh, like price controls and material where we're, we're, it's like choosing between various platinum plans or of, of care. It's um, so that, that number is, I think representative of like, I think the values that like everyone holds dear, hmm. every political persuasion, I would say, and every economic ideology, but it's, it's, it's done from the perspective of, um, I think, you know, market driven ideas, which could be a, you know, trigger word for some people, uh, people being able, having the freedom to find and utilize the solutions and tools that best solve the problems that they're trying to fix, whatever those might be. So it's like a true, I think it, it encapsulates this idea of like, true uh like tailorability <laughs> customizability right right choices choice there we go That's choice. Word. <laughs> i know you like the word tailor but... i do, I do. Um, does that help is that better 
Yeah, I think that that is a bit better. Um, <laughs> but not great. No, no, no. It's I. I mean, I get it more. What you're saying of in a world where everyone has choices on in healthcare, where I mean, I think we can all look back at what the opposite of that has been the past you know, two, three years, we have experienced a lot of the opposite of abundance, which is scarcity. Yes. So, I mean, from scarcity of toilet paper, <laughs> right? There was like, we ran out of toilet mm-hmm. paper, the supply, that's a, you know, supply chain issues. Um, you know, gas prices went way up that made the cost of travel and the cost of, or right now the cost of goods is really high. Right. And so many people are, including us, look at their grocery bills and get worried about their monthly expenses. Like the the worry of things are too expensive to live. There's scarcity. I mean, we dealt with the baby food for right. or baby formula scarcity, right? Because the FDA process was so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, moms and uh, you know, families were scrambling, going to 10 different CVSs to find um, baby formula. So you look at like all these little things that we've experienced in the past couple of years that were due to scarcity and it just creates stress. It creates um, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on the good things in life, time with your family, um, time doing work you enjoy, time with friends and community, mm-hmm. you're focused on this filling the scarcity needs and whatnot and on the individual level. Yeah. I think in history provides even further examples. I think most of human history for most people was one of scarcity of, you know, most of human. We all have stories of our grandparents, like saving the napkin for three days. Exactly. Because they didn't have abundant napkins that they could use. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now we will, we will live in a world of abundant napkins and paper goods. <laughs> And I think, you know, maybe that's that's another angle here to talk about it. It's like, um, yeah, most of human history was one of scarcity. There's the, uh, the, they call it the hockey stick graph, where like, again, back to that, you know, GDP per capita number as representative of this abundance. Around 1780, it started going up from like flatlining through most of human history. As far back as records could go, it was, you know, close to zero. Wow. And then in 1780, it started going up, and now it's like, you know. Was that Industrial Revolution? Uh, yeah, like early Industrial Revolution, you know, invention of yeah, new technologies were a huge part of it, new, you know, cultural values, right, like valuing work for, like, the average person, um, exchange of ideas and information flows and political structures as, like, you know, volumes have <laughs> been written about this. So why did it happen? But, like, it's important to remember that, like, our ancestors lived a life in most, in a, you know, non-abundant scenario. In many parts of the current world. Yes, oh, <laughs> true, very true, very true. Um, so, like, how do we get, how do we continue those trends uh, for all people around the world mm-hmm. so we have abundant napkins everywhere or <laughs> whatever the case might be, abundant healthcare, clean water everywhere. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into those, and people have been working on these problems for a long time. And it seems clear that the answer is not just direct funding, hmm. right? Like you look at uh, foreign aid in Southeast Asia and African countries, you know, dumping hundreds of billions of dollars has done some good, but it hasn't fixed the problem. So like there are deeper right. structural issues. And I think every culture, country, political context is different and what have you. That's why we focus on American <laughs> 
United States context because that's what we know and where we live. Right, right. Um, but there are there are like these. So you know, to kind of put a bow on this, maybe a little bit is you know, what do we do then? What should Congress be doing or the president should be doing? I think it's focusing on kind of those policy um, uh, pain points, the the log jams, hmm. right? So like FDA could be one of them. Uh, what is what is standing? Why why is the Federal Food and Drug Administration? What are their incentives on taking so long to approve new drugs that every time every day there's a delay, um, the quality of life is impacted for those suffering? Right, we're talking like fifteen years to get a drug through the process. Right, like is that is that the optimum millions amount? Billions of dollars. And what are the incentives that go into the Food and Drug Administration and all like the interested parties? Uh, in uh, you know taking that long, you know what are the what are transportation speeds? You know my colleague Eli Dorado has worked on supersonic flight for a long time, and that's like a good example of there is a a law that is a speed limit on flying in civilian airspace. Wow. So if you're a civilian aircraft, you cannot go faster than I think it's like you know Mach 0.9 or something. So you know uh, you can't go faster than the speed of sound. So making that policy change. Given that there's new technologies, quieter sonic booms, quieter engines, why are we still going the same speed that our grandparents were in, you know, 1958 or (laughs) it peaked in like 1966, I think, for civilian air travel? Why can't I get from L.A. to New York in two hours? Uh, and there's a very specific policy reasons like what are what else is there? And it kind of goes on and on in like technology space, healthcare, energy, um, and we, you know, some colleagues and I actually wrote the uh, some, wrote up some ideas in a paper called "What Policies uh, Promote Abundance." You can read it if you're interested. <laughs> you should. It's very readable. It has a lot of good ideas. Um, so it strikes me with uh, just the examples you gave of uh, getting new drugs to market with, you know, supersonic flight. The reason that these things haven't changed. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. but I think in most people's mind, mine included, is concerns about safety. Right. You know, the, the thought is that the FDA and having a really rigorous clinical trial process and you know a very slow path to market is not letting just any mm-hmm. drug get out there that could have really bad side effects and we need to study the side effects over many years all of that those the reasons given is it's for safety and yes. i imagine the same That's with good. supersonic flight so what what is the balance between safety and unbridled innovation that leads to abundance it's a tricky thing um and this, I mean, I don't think we're even like having that discussion. I think, you know, Congress should be having the discussion, the trade-offs of, you know, safety and innovation. And I don't think, I think there's a balance and in most cases we're probably weighted like too heavily on safety. And I think it's just the, the missing piece of this discussion is just the, the trade-offs. So, you know, Alex Tabrock, this economist, talks about the invisible graveyard of FDA drug approval delay. Mm-hmm. Like every there is there are people dying because drugs unapproved. Oh, so it's kind of the unseen and invisible graveyard. Interesting. And whereas it's really easy to focus on like, yeah, say FDA approves a drug that kills some people, like that's that's really bad and that's like visible graveyard. We want to avoid mm. that. And then but, but in that fifteen years that the drug wasn't at market, how many people died? Right, is what you're and it's I mean, and that's it can be harder to prove in a lot of cases. Um, but like it, it's a cost. And I think about you know. Uh, we deal with this all the time in uh, automobile travel, right? 30, 
30, 35,000 Americans die every year on the roads. Right. We live with that. So it's like about 100 people a day are dying on the roads. But we don't say, well, we shouldn't drive cars anymore. Mm-mm. Like, mm-hmm. there's an example, I think, where we're kind of culturally, politically, we've kind of like uh, moving my hand back and forth, kind of like a slide rule. <laughs> like, there's some sort of optimum adjustment. I think a lot of like cultural values go into this. I'm reading this book about space travel and mm. how the focus on safety has held back space innovation and space travel um, i still hold i do not want to go to space it is it is turns out it's dangerous um <laughs> but it's like you know reviewing the history of like early transportation especially early flight like it was not safe at all like people mm. frequently died put their lives at risk and i think you know there needs to be uh this maybe re-examination of you know safety is like the top ideal mm-hmm. like we do leave things on the table including additional lives saved and it's tricky i mean i'm not a utilitarian (laughs) ethicist it's not just about like which option you know more lives less lives. yeah uh i think there are other values to consider but i think just that discussion is missing from Mm. so that's what congress should do they should have more of those discussions Hmm. like what are the trade-offs between the policy uh, choices yeah it's sticky and hard but i think this abundance idea it's it's like a way of thinking about um the economy about public policy from a holistic perspective cultural political historical abundance and think about the future too do not we want to live scarcity. in a jetson's world or not <laughs> or in a scarce scarcity driven world yeah. that we're kind of currently headed towards yep yep so uh, we should go to stingers and thinkers all right thank you taylor for giving us uh eye into your world okay <laughs> stinkers and thinkers taylor what was your stinker my stinker Beyonce's new album. She even has a new album? See, everyone's like, you know, it's, you know, album best of the year review time. Um, and everyone's singing Beyonce's praises. Um, I just like, I just never can get on the Beyonce train. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, I think we listened to it all yeah. the way through when it came out. And I think I tried to again. And it's just like, you mean the older album? Yeah. No, we listened to the new one. Oh, we, we were playing that game with, with AJ. Oh, okay. And we had it on the background. Oh, then it's not new. This is like six months old. Sure. But it's like, you know, album review time. The okay. Best okay. of the year. That is not, that is my stinker. You're talking about her album of the last year. I thought you meant something new. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And just to kind of like, yeah, uh, everyone's talking about how it's great. I'm going to say it's not great. Okay. Okay. You're talking, you're in review. Got it. Okay. It's too much. <laughs> too much, Beyonce. Yeah. Agreed. Not really listenable. <laughs> All right. What's your stinker? My stinker is the show Dream Home Makeover. I think I've talked about it before. It's a uh, McGee and company Shay McGee. They have like a interior design firm in uh, Utah, and she has like a Target line and big furniture line. And this whatnot. is the one where the husband's just always grinning. Yeah. <laughs> He just along for the ride. (laughs) Um, They tried to make, so the previous seasons are like two previous seasons. They've been about like these really grand, amazing houses that they've designed. And like, that's what I show up for. I want to see the grand, Mm -hmm. amazing houses that are totally unattainable. Abundant homes. Abundant homes in our abundant future, maybe, but not my current future. And, but this season they decided to be like, we're this relatable family and we do relatable little projects. And so they did like normal people like us is, you know, like 
bathroom or kitchen or whatnot. <laughs> and then they like spend a lot of time showing how how relatable their little family is and whatnot. And I was like, that's not what I showed to this show for. I want to see the the name of the show, the dream home. <laughs> so yeah, it, I, it's kind of boring. What would, yeah. The dream, I mean, everyone's dreams are different, right? <laughs> True. But for reality TV, you don't show up for the... The average home. The average, average, <laughs> average home, home makeover. makeover. <laughs> the abundant home makeover. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I do think as a part of an abundance agenda is like a world where uh, that's the norm where you can live in like compounds or like cities with cheap housing and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, thinker. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Everything's abundant to you. Thinker, your turn. Thinker. Uh, what was my thinker? Um, I think a recent read. uh do you want me to go? You go. I forgot. <laughs> um, I think there was a book that we read at the end of the year um, for one of our book clubs called American Dirt by Janine Cummins. It was just amazing. Uh, also kind of terrifying. So it was a story of a mother and son. Um, a novel. Yeah, a novel. Okay. Did you say that? Yeah. Okay. I thought I did. A book. Yeah. Um, a story of a mother and son. Not like a first person account. Oh, a yeah. fictional yes, telling yes, yes, of yes, a mother yes. and son who are escaping a cartel in Mexico and making their way across the border to the United States. And just the telling of everything they go through of escaping the cartel and, um, you know, going through these cities and dealing with a coyote and, uh, riding this train hopping on this train that crosses that goes across mexico it just was so gripping and i had never um read an account of what a crossing like that could look like and it kept me up at night because it was so just like riveting Mm -hmm. and on the edge of your seat of what's gonna happen it was quite good i also read it thanks to book club um i guess my my thinker is the my album of the year which was coffee's gifted oh that was your album of the year yep. okay. yep. uh i so mentioned this has it been your thinker before it has it has but you know reminding everyone it's out there it's great um go listen to it nice. if you like if you like reggae yeah it was very good good spiritual themes in it too i thought all right that's a good way to end <laughs> our first episode of the year thanks for listening <laughs>